in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. And see how a membership. Well, folks, good afternoon. Right now it is 106 on this Monday. And you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program is brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. What are you doing for lunch right now? A delicious lunch is waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Well, folks, we're going to cover both uh, local news and national news during this uh, this hour. Now, one of the things um, locally is that Governor McKee, not two, two, first, a key ally of Governor McKee, McKee was arrested on DUI and speeding, Michael Sabatoni of the laborers. He's the one you can't build anything in Rhode Island unless he comes and then they're going to get, you know, their cut of the whole, of the whole thing. Uh, and then the other is a member of Governor McKee's administration was arrested over the course of the weekend. A senior advisor uh, was arrested and Governor McKee was asked about that a little bit earlier. Christopher Farrell, 38 of Pawtucket, was arrested um, unlawful trespassing, and, and it's a felony that he has been arrested on. He is on leave. So this is how Governor McKee responded. Mr. Farrell is on administrative leave uh, to deal with some of the health issues that he's dealing with. And um, other than that, I'll kind of let the process roll out. And um, we uh, you know, certainly wish the best for Chris. So this all comes on the heels of that the FBI is increasing their... Uh, investigation, their investigation into the McKee administration. So not only is Governor McKee, now what we don't know is it's possible that the pressure from the FBI probe is what is, you know, came into play on this individual that the senior advisor for Governor McKee. And maybe that's what it was that you know, kind of put him over the edge a little bit. Um, I want to play, this is Bernie Sanders uh, yesterday on ABC's This Week and going after Senator Joe Manchin. Here we go, right here. Here we go. I, I want to turn to, to Congress and the and the agenda there. Senator Joe Manchin, of course, abruptly pulled the plug this week on the Democrats. No, Martha, plans he did abruptly. Pass. Martha, oh, okay, Martha, let, 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 okay. he abruptly on Friday. He didn't did abruptly that. do anything. He was he sabotaged the president's agenda. No. Uh, look, if you check the record six months ago, I made it clear that you have people like Manchin, Cinema to a lesser degree, who are intentionally sabotaging the president's agenda, what the American people want, what a majority of us in the Democratic caucus want. Nothing new about this. And the problem was that we continue to talk to Manchin like he was serious. He was not. This is a guy 
who is a major recipient of fossil fuel money, a guy who has received campaign contributions from 25 Republican billionaires. Okay, Senator, I want, okay, you say he wasn't serious, but Manchin says his main goal is to do what's good for West Virginia, and he's worried about inflation. Listen to what he told the West Virginia radio station. Listen to this, please. Is that right? Inflation is absolutely killing many, many people. They can't buy gasoline. They have a hard time buying groceries. Everything they buy and consume for their daily lives is a hardship to them. Your reaction to that, Senator? Look, same nonsense the mansion has been talking about for a year. Wow. West Virginia has a beautiful state. I've had the pleasure of being there. What a jerk. Great people. It is one of the poorest states in this country. You ask the people of West Virginia whether they want to expand Medicare to cover dental, hearing, and eyeglasses. You ask the people of West Virginia whether we should demand that the wealthiest people in large corporations start paying their fair share of taxes. Ask the people of West Virginia whether or not all people should have health care as a human right like in every other country on earth. That's what they will say. In my humble opinion, you know, Manchin represents the very wealthiest people in this country, not working families in West Virginia or America. Blah, blah, blah. Attack, attack, attack. That's all he does is attack. Um, Senator Joe Manchin, I mean, there's other people that were also not convinced of this. I want to hear um, this whole business. He wouldn't support legislation on climate change. What what they fail to mention is everything else that is thrown into that. Everything else that is thrown in on that. So you can't just say it's over that one thing. By the way, Dr. Ja was um, uh, from Brown University. He was also on this week. And he is talking about possibly um, you know it was on ABC's this week that they uh, they did the piece about Liz Cheney so the people that they were talking to they they are not on board with the the Biden agenda and and I'll tell you Manchin is he's the real deal without question um it's it's not it's not Joe Senator Manchin's fault that Biden just wants to continue this ridiculous amount of spending. But this business of purposely trying to sabotage the uh, uh, agenda you know that that's the words that's this that's like that uh, senator tierra mac no one you know they, no one paid attention until i did this and therefore blah 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 it, it's it, it's not genuine it's not even close as a matter of fact but i want to go back to this is bernie sanders um yesterday on this week Martha, it ain't Democrats. It isn't the president. It is the future of the planet. So when Manchin sabotages climate change, this is for future generations. What's going on right now in the West, all over the world, we're looking at significantly increased, more and more heat waves. You're going to look at more drought, more flooding. This is an existential threat to humanity. 
And what this election must be about is whether or not we're going to vote for candidates who are prepared to stand up for working people, stand up for the planet, and have the courage to take on the billionaire class who dominates our economy and our political life. That's what this election is about. The Republican Party is not there. We need more progressive Democrats who are going to fight for workers. I think, folks, at 114, you know, I I think you're going to... um, I think that you're going to start to you, you could see the reemergence of the Green Party. Remember Ralph Nader, the Green Party? I think they could come back. And I wouldn't be surprised if the progressives completely abandon the Democrat Party. This is also Bernie Sanders going after Biden about Saudi Arabia. Here we go. And we're joined now by Senator Bernie Sanders. It's good to see you this morning, Senator Sanders. President Biden is back from his trip, a trip that has gotten a lot of blowback from even your fellow Democrats, especially that fist bump with the Saudi crown prince. You've referred to Saudi Arabia as a brutal dictatorship that crushes democracy. Should should Biden have gone? No, I, I don't think so. You have a, a leader of that country uh, who was involved in the murder of a Washington Post journalist. Uh, I don't think that that type of government should be rewarded uh, with a visit by the president of the United States. But but at the heart of the discussions was oil. And President Biden said that Saudis would take action in the coming weeks. Could that make a difference? And and doesn't that explain why he went? What would you have done? Well, I'm sure that, Muff, I'm sure that that is why he went. But the truth of the matter is, if you're looking at the outrageously high cost of gas at the pumps right now, one of the things we've got to look at is the fact that while Americans are now paying 450, 480 for a gallon of gas, the oil company profits in the last quarter have been extraordinarily high. And I happen to believe that we've got to tell the oil companies to stop ripping off the American people. And if they don't, we should impose a windfall profits tax on them. So, so would you just ignore the Saudis if you were president? Look, you got a family that is worth a hundred billion dollars, which crushes democracy, which treats women as third-class citizens, which murders and imprisons its opponents. And if this country believes in anything, we believe in human rights. We believe in democracy. And I just don't believe that we should be uh, maintaining a, a warm relationship with a dictatorship uh, like that. You know, uh, Biden is really thrown really really thrown on on the whole trip uh and that fist pump was just an absolute it was what an embarrassment absolutely what an embarrassment um here is dr Ja saying masks could be coming back a few people wearing masks in New York City, where they have a 15% positivity rate, uh, the New York Times described it as kind of a meh reaction to this variant. So what do you do? Yeah, so first of all, I think it's really important to remind people of the science, the public health science. And the public health science is very clear. If you're in a crowded indoor space, especially if it's poorly ventilated, uh, wearing a mask reduces your risk of infection and reduces your risk of spreading it to others. So we've got to continue to encourage people to do that. Uh, We've been doing a lot to make testing widely available. 
available. It's a really good way of, of slowing down the spread. And then encouraging people to get you know vaccinated and get up to date on their vaccines. And then obviously, as I said earlier, uh, if you end up having a breakthrough infection, getting treated because we don't want people ending up in the hospital. And treatments are working really well. And, and L.A. County announced this week that if cases continue on the same trajectory, they will have an indoor mask mandate. It looks likely that that will happen. I assume that's something you support. Should, should other states look at this? Yeah, my view on this has been for really for two years, well before I came into this current role, my view on this has been very clear, which is uh, local jurisdictions, cities, uh, counties, states uh, should make decisions about mask mandates because communities are different uh, and their patterns of transmission are different. Um, that said, CDC has very clear guidance on this as well through their, through their COVID community levels. And, and the CDC recommendation is that when you're in a high zone, that sort of orange zone, as L.A. County is, uh, you know, people wearing masks indoors is really important and it really will make a difference. Folks, they are going to get again. Good afternoon right now. One eighteen. I mean, they are going to come back and they're going to want people to wear masks. They're going to be talking. I think this is just going to push people over the edge. They're going to want masks back in the fall with schools. And I just think it's also it is. Um, it's so unnecessary because anyone that's listing right now, I mean, COVID is definitely going around, but especially for young people, it's 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 just, you know, it's 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 really at the most, it's just a cold, a head cold. Um, I I don't. I think that's a mistake. I think parents are going to really reject this. Parents do not want children going back to school this fall in masks. Absolutely not. I don't think so. Well, I shouldn't say that. Most parents most parents don't. Of course, there are some parents. I mean, there are some people I'm seeing already saying that they want to go all out um, and certainly want to have the mask. People want masks now, but I think in the fall, people people are going to start flipping out. Now, also, the report came out about the Texas shooting. And I want you to hear this report from GMA. And leadership as hundreds of officers failed to confront that gunman as he took the lives of 19 children and two teachers. Maria Villarreal is in Uvalde where the families of the victims are reacting to this report. Good morning, Maria. Hey, good morning. These families are still very frustrated. The mayor having to step in yesterday say that he's going to try and help translate a report that only came out in English into Spanish as well. Oh and also God. announcing the city is launching their own internal investigation ah. into their own police department. I think there were 400 police outside. This morning, a first-hand look at the Robb Elementary School shooting just minutes after the suspect made his way inside, firing more than 100 rounds in two and a half minutes. 
the city of Uvalde now releasing body camera footage after a new report found systematic failures in law enforcement's response. Just five minutes after the shooter first walked in, at 11.38 a.m., a school district sergeant walks out to relay information that later turned out to be wrong. He's on inside this building. We have him contained. But the suspect was inside room 111 and 112 and still shooting. Maybe. Officer Ruben Ruiz is inside the hallway responding while his wife, Eva Mireles, a teacher, is in room 112 texting him. She would not survive. Now, nearly eight weeks after the murder of 19 children and two teachers, the city promising transparency as the first comprehensive report investigating officers' response reveals widespread lapses both before and during the killing spree. The damning 77-page report from the Texas House Special Committee noting that despite 376 law enforcement officers on the scene, there was egregious poor decision-making on all levels. The report says if you're not willing to put the lives of the people you serve, of those children before your own, in my view, you should find another job. The rampage lasted 77 minutes until Border Patrol agents breached the classroom, killing the gunman at 12.52 p.m. School District Police Chief Pete Arredondo testified that they prioritized getting children evacuated over approaching the attacker. My thought was, we're a barrier. Get these kids out. We need to get these kids out of here. Come on, kids. Kids, come on. While officers evacuated students, Chief Arredondo tried to talk to the gunman. It's going to be peaceful. Could you tell me your name? Anything I can know, please? That gunman firing 142 rounds, the majority before any first responders even entered the building. But there were still survivors in the classroom while officers waited outside. Dispatch heard telling officers there were survivors, but it would be at least 47 more minutes after the first 911 call before they finally went in. The committee stating given the information known about the victims who survived through the time of the breach and who later died on the way to the hospital, it is plausible that some victims could have survived if they had not had to wait 73 additional minutes for rescue. The report also found a breakdown of school safety measures. The school's alert system delayed due to Wi-Fi issues. And none of the three exterior doors to the school's west building were locked, giving the shooter unimpeded access. The committee confirming he walked inside room 111 through a door with a lock that had been broken for months. A possible motive also released in the report. The shooter was a former student of Robb Elementary School and attended fourth grade in room 111. His former teacher testified he was bullied that year. The mother of Rogelio Torres, one of the fourth graders killed on that day in May, continues to fight for accountability and change. That's what I'm here for, to fight for my son, fight for the other kids, and fight for the teachers that lost their lives that day. The families are calling for some of these officers to be criminally charged, but right now that is in the hands of the district attorney, if and would that would happen. However, right now, she's not releasing any information, only to say that this continues to be investigated by the Texas Rangers, the FBI, and other law enforcement. What an absolute disaster. Well, folks, good afternoon. 
It is Monday. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. This portion of the program, folks, always a great day. Why not go for a nice meal at the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. A delicious meal is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. The situation with President Biden continues um, to just go downhill. Absolutely just continues to um, go downhill. As far as as far as his presidency and trying to turn it around. Um, you know, it's very odd. A clip shared by Bruce Willis's wife shows the star returning the building that served in Die Hard to celebrate the movie's anniversary. I'm not. I'm not sure he can communicate anymore. Um, how about it was a good Samaritan that fatally shot the gunman who opened fire at the Indiana Mall? What do we talk about? Right. The only thing you need a good guy with a gun to stop a bad guy with a gun. Um. I want to also, um, that fist bump, that really, really uh, annoyed people without question. Um, and also, yeah, there's definitely more sharks out there. Huge um, heat wave that's taking place, by the way. And then you just heard the, the piece about the school shooting. So, which seems to be... That, that Biden Middle East trip. I just want to play a little bit. This is from the Today Show. Washington this morning after his first trip in office to the Middle East, where the president says he challenged the Saudi crown prince. He challenge anyone. Senior White House correspondent Kelly O'Donnell joins us with more. So, Kelly, let's start with that overseas trip. In the end, what was accomplished and, and what's still left on the table? Well, good to see you, Craig, and good morning, everyone. President Biden's says he believes diplomacy from his visit to Saudi Arabia can help consumers save money here. The president said he expects the oil producers will decide to increase output in the next few weeks. That could bring down gas prices. But important to note, there was no specific commitment made, and officials say more steps are still needed. And on the controversy of the meeting, the fist bumping, and dealing with a Saudi crown prince who U.S. officials contend ordered the 2018 murder of a Washington Post journalist, the president says he raised that killing directly and that he does not believe the denial he got from Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince. Sunday, Senator Bernie Sanders was asked about the visit and said he does not believe this president and the United States should be, quote, maintaining a warm relationship with a dictator, referring to the Saudi leadership. The president says he stood up for human rights and U.S. interests despite the criticism from this trip, right? You know, the criticism is warranted. The criticism, the, the Biden administration has no one to blame but themselves. They are following a path that has failed. The agenda that they're following is is that of of a it, it, their problem is absolutely just following it, letting the left dictate the policy. That, and, and their policies are failing. 
that's what's really going on. To try to blame anyone else. It's it's just not about that. Um, and it's a total pile on at home. This is from yesterday, Meet the Press. He's facing a pile on at home. More bad economic numbers and even worse polling numbers. But at the same time, Republicans are bracing for an unpopular figure of their own. Former President Trump to retake the stage at perhaps the worst possible moment. According to a new CNBC survey, President Biden's approval rating is down to 36%, with just 30% of Americans approving of his handling of the economy. Both numbers are all-time lows for this president and lower than both Donald Trump and Barack Obama's all-time lows. Now, a separate poll from Pew puts the president's approval rating at just 37%, a new low for his presidency there as well. All of this comes as the Labor Department reported today that wholesale prices for U.S. goods shot up more than 11% last month over a year ago, just shy of the record set in March. And that comes a day after the Labor Department reported the worst rise in inflation in 40 years, with prices climbing more than 9% over the last 12 months. Republicans have invoked President Biden's comments from December that inflation had reached its peak then to bolster their argument he can't be trusted with the economy. But Republicans focus on 2022's elections may get sidetracked by Donald Trump's 2024 ambitions. This morning, we learned the former president is set to speak at a summit in Washington later this month, his first time back in the nation's capital since Inauguration Day of 2021. And in an interview with New York Magazine just posted, Mr. Trump says he's made his decision about whether to run in 2024 and is just mulling when to announce it. That has some Republicans sounding the alarm as the Washington Post reports Donald Trump is looking to fall to launch a 2024 campaign, potentially appending the midterms. Well, let's hope that does not happen. I mean, I am hoping that that does not happen. We don't need it. I want to hear. This is uh, Senator Manchin. I'm asking you. What do you I mean? Right now, we should all be extremely cautious. I mean, this is people are hurting. The people are hurting. I mean, just the cost of every good, especially the staples of life, uh, whether it be milk or whether it be eggs, whether it be. Uh, I mean, the prices of inflation and also the energy that's taken right now in order to, to, to live a daily life. Do these numbers doom any new spending, any new legislation that involves new spending, and should they? It it should do, quite frankly, the opposite. Nothing could be more important right now than Congress putting its um, its nose to the grindstone. How do you get it done when Senator Manchin is is saying it's a no-go, essentially? You need to make the case to him, explain to him, and explain to the American people that what that legislation would do is lower the cost of things that are important to families. Let's lower the cost of prescription drugs. That is something we can do right now. And then that money that you're not spending on prescription drugs frees up families to spend on things lower the cost of health care and yes let's lower the cost of energy by making these investments that are going to put us on that path so that we aren't here again we've been here before and we will continue to be subject to the vagaries of geopolitical considerations when it comes to energy markets until we fix what ails us and that is what the president wants to do so it's it's dealing both with the here and now dealing with prices today and you know the, the fact of the matter is they have no clue what to do about all of this. They really don't. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. And, and, and the thing about it is 
the central issue, a big central issue here is the president's age. And that's just not, there's nothing they can do to change that. They are in free fall. He's not going to get better. Um, if, if anything, the, the situation is going to get worse. So I think, um, I also was just checking. Let's see. Hmm. A chiropractor accused of leaving a patient paralyzed has not apologized and seen leaving town. Um, a Rhode Island sponsor won 4,000 grand advisor. Was this an error? Of course it wasn't an error. These grants are completely um, just a disgrace. Let me hear. This is uh, Senator, uh, Vice President Harris. Here we go. Our freedoms are all connected. Consider the freedom to vote. The freedom to vote is the freedom that unlocks all others. It is a catalyst for economic justice, for social justice, for racial justice. And generations of leaders gave their sweat, their tears, their blood in its defense. You know, she has just not gotten any better. She hasn't gotten any better. She just continues to get worse. And it it does open the door for for several different people for 2024. Several different people in 2024. I want to play more of um, Bernie Sanders' castigated Joe Manchin. ABC News joins us for more. I want to just hear this piece uh, because they're really going after the climate change. Climate change legislation. Take a listen to this. So when Manchin sabotages climate change, this is for future generations. What's going on right now in the West, all over the world, we're looking at significantly increased more and more heat waves. You're going to look at more drought, more flooding. This is an existential threat to humanity. Now, Manchin says he wants to see inflation rates go down before adding any measures that could add to the rising costs. He says that he would back a bill that focused solely on health care measures like prescription drug prices. ABC's Kenneth Moten joining me now live for more from here in our nation's capital. So, Kenneth, how are Democrats reacting to the latest rebuke from Joe Manchin now? Well, Kira, no surprise, they're not happy, especially the progressive wing of the party. You heard Bernie Sanders there. Uh, as they see this Joe Manchin effect really unravel and tank the Biden agenda, but many supporters of those climate change initiatives and tax increases on the wealthy will point out this is not only about the Biden agenda. As you just saw in Inez's report there, uh, many Democrats and supporters of those initiatives believe that this is about uh, saving the country, saving the world, that the opposition from Joe Manchin is bad for the country here. Uh, our political watchers also say that Democrats have a choice to make here. Try to put public pressure on Joe Manchin, the conservative from West Virginia, something that hasn't worked in the past, or try to work with him on key health care measures that he's indicated he's for. Uh, and the reality, Kira, here is that Democrats, they if they want to get through some of those key health care measures, like allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices, they're going to need Joe Manchin. 
So what does this mean for the fight against climate change now then? Well, it means legislatively, the U.S. appears to not be in the fight here uh, because we looked at the numbers here and we know that with the opposition from Republicans and Democrats having that very, very thin majority to get this done, uh, there were a number of things uh, in the Build Back Better, the social spending plan that Joe Biden proposed, and it was at least more than $500 billion to green energy and climate initiatives that won't go toward the the fight. Folks, you know what's also interesting? Good afternoon at 137. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 909.9 FM. How about um, what's going on in the UK? Wales appears to have set record high. Britain sizzles. A country largely without air conditioning, struggling to cope in the heat. Rail service limited for fear the tracks would buckle and flights at Britain's largest air base were halted. So trains slowed to a crawl. Schools, doctors' offices shut their doors. The British Museum closed off its upper galleries, then the entire museum. The government urged people to work from home. Much of Britain took an involuntary siesta. Merciless heat scorched the country, driving temperatures close to triple digits, threatening to smash records. Temperatures in Britain very slowly reduced. remain hot overnight in much of the country. Highest temperature recorded on Monday was nearly 100 degrees in Suffolk, just below the national record. A zoo in southwest France will try to evacuate 800 animals to get them out of harm's way. Potentially toxic smoke billows from nearby fires. But the um, fans and air conditioning units are flying off the shelves in the U.K., Retailers in Britain are reporting skyrocketing demand for fans and air conditioning. People saw ways to stay cool. Heat wave in a nation where few homes are equipped with central air. Some parts of Britain 100 degrees. Tuesday forecast even hotter. And temperatures could surpass 40 degrees Celsius. 104, which would break the national record. See, they are still doing things metric. Chafee was on to something. We should have moved to metric. A spokeswoman for John Lewis, one of the largest farming stores, said sales of fans were up more than 250%. Air conditioner sales were up 525%. There's little data on how many homes in England have air conditioning, but the best estimate, under 5% of homes. As the UK heat wave continues, the nation's going to lengthy measures to keep cool. From the rising temperatures. Uh, 300% increase in the sale of fans. (laughs) You know, that type of heat, I don't think the fans are even helping. I mean, it is absolutely scorching right now in the UK. Wales recorded its highest ever temperature, 98 degrees. And that beat a record set earlier this afternoon. Hmm. London's aging Hammersmith Bridge gets foil wrapping to protect it from rising temperatures. The crumbling Hammersmith Bridge, Victoria-era suspension over the River Thames is already undergoing repairs. Protect a foil. Keep cracks from expanding and threatening its stability. <laughs> it looks so odd. 
There's a picture of a guy just sitting on a park bench. By the way, the, the grass there is all burnt. The French National Weather Forecast said on Monday, temperatures several areas reach or broken existing records. Tomato farmers in northern, northern Italy are harvesting early because of the heat. <laughs> My goodness. Nonstop here, folks. Um, how, how about that? Less than 5% of homes in the UK have air conditioning. That's a problem when you get as hot as it is. Wow. Um, let's see. Hmm. Fox post montage of Trump voters jumping for DeSantis. <laughs> this could be quite 23. Trump against DeSantis. Could really be something. Joe Rogan is uh, getting a lot of attention for some of his comments on President Trump. Um, um, the person, the guest was saying he was full of energy, full of it every day. They said he slept like four hours a night. And then Rogan says, he's on Adderall. Do you think he's on Adderall? Yes, I do. Only because there are multiple people who used to work on The Apprentice that were like, he was gassed up for shoots. Really, asked Rogan, yeah. Trouble reading. He doesn't even struggle to read prompt or script when he was just, uh, so they'd give him that and he would dial in more on readings. Segura believed the same routine occurred when Trump became president, he'd get bored at the CIA briefing in the morning. They're like, I don't want to read that. Heard they would put his name in briefings multiple times to keep him interested. Jared Kushner. He came up with a formula to keep him engaged. He was very close to him. Newmanville formula was like, two good, one bad. So they're going to give him bad news. Start with some good news. Then you go, this is going well. Everyone's told you. Here's a bad thing. People love you for this. Oh, of course. Now, again, that is someone um, from The Apprentice. But I think it's interesting, two things. Number one, the Drudge Report keeps rolling with it. And number two, that Joe Rogan seems to be getting uh, more comfortable in in um, in going after him. Half Americans can't touch toes without straining. <laughs> Out of shape nation, half of Americans admit they can't touch their toes without straining. The average adult logs 3,800 steps per day, less than the 10,000 recommended. Seven in 10 are eager to increase their physical activity. Um, 2,000 adults are staying active. Only half can touch their toes without straining. People looking to change their habits. 70% making more of an effort to move around physically active more now than the start of the pandemic. 42% of Americans say they're struggling to stay physically fit. Get up and get moving. Uh, 
Americans are planning on making an effort to be physically active. People are renewing their commitment to an active lifestyle, stretching at home, at-home workouts, and taking mental health walks. It's clear that movement means to help people feel better and connect with them. 81% say exercise put them in a better mood. 54% made it a goal to exercise more with their family. Um, 87% say one or more of the obstacles being physical. The average person gets only 3,800 steps per day instead of the 10,000 recommended. Lack of motivation, 39%. Injuries, 30%. The biggest obstacle is joint pain and arthritis, 42%. Well, take some Advil. Um, number of people trying to number of tricks or shortcuts to sneak in movement. Walking around the house when they're on the phone, 54%. And doing exercises such as crunches and squats while watching TV, 42%. I wouldn't call those shortcuts. I'd call those, you know, you're trying to uh, use the time and use the time wisely. Now, folks, right now it's 146. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program. Is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Whether you're inside or outside on that nice deck, a delicious meal is waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. So we've had some... July has been a nice stretch of weather. But right now we are dealing with some minor showers depending on where you are this afternoon but the next two days Tuesday and Wednesday look fantastic with Wednesday getting up to 94 and then next the end of the week looks great low 90s and sunny so if you're off this week this is the uh, the only day that looks a little iffy now on a on the local front, big local news, a uh, senior aide to Governor McKee was arrested over the weekend. And Channel 12 dropped the blockbuster on Friday that the FBI are now investigating Governor McKee. And the University Club has also now been brought in, so to speak. On the investigation to the FBI probe regarding Governor McKee and the the ILO contract that he signed and they put it together in the first month that he was, in fact, governor. And I am willing to bet that if the, if the, if Governor McKee could do things over, he would um, if he could do things over. I'm willing to bet that Governor McKee would would have uh, handled the Tony Silva thing differently. That's still not, has still not um, come into play just yet. As far as it hasn't been uh, finalized. But that 
that ILO contract. I, I mean, it, it is in fact a, I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's an FBI probe. Um, what happened in Texas, I, I think it's unfair to, um, I think it's unfair to um, blame the police were following chain of command. Police are a paramilitary operation organization. You 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 can't the 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 person in charge was the one making the decisions. I you you can't have people go rogue. It's not fair to blame all the police. I've heard people say, you know, some of the police should have just just jumped into action on their own. You, you can't do that. You have to have, you know, it, it, it's like Jack Nicholson on the stand in A Few Good Men. Either people follow orders or, you know, or people die. It comes down to that. So now also, how about the fact that Steve Bannon trial, contempt of Congress? I want to hear this is a report from uh, Scott McFarland of uh, CBS. Questions are here at the federal courthouse in Washington. They're doing jury selection today. If it gets sluggishly, it should be done by the end of the day. On that jury selection uh, point, what, what kind of questions are, are the ju- are potential jurors being asked uh, before it's decided whether they're going to sit on this jury? We expect there'll be similar questions to those asked of the January 6th defendants themselves. Let me set the scene, though, first of all. They're up on the sixth floor of this federal courthouse in some stiflingly hot hallways waiting to get into the courtroom to answer questions from the judge. And they're doing it one at a time and out of earshot of the other prospective jurors. If past is prologue, what federal judges ask here about cases that have any nexus to the Capitol or Congress is, do you have a loved one? or a friend or somebody close to you who works for Congress? Do you live in the immediate area of Capitol Hill? It's, it's a residential area. Do you have anybody in your family or close to you who works for a law firm or has a legal background? Those are the boilerplate questions, but also they're likely to ask if anybody has a political position that's so entrenched they wouldn't be able to be fair and unbiased. And let me tell you, Steve Bannon's defense lawyers have been leaning on this issue and all the coverage of the January 6th committee hearings, all of the publicity could inflame and bias a jury. That's why they sought to get this trial delayed. They didn't succeed. A jury will be sat today. They will have this trial this week. The judge is going to try to winnow out anybody who is potentially inflamed or biased by the coverage. You know, Steve Bannon is a pretty smart guy. And I have a lot of respect for him. I don't know what to make of this. Um, For whatever reason, he's... Well, he's going to get his day in court. Hey, how about also the police... I have a good story on this and a picture on the website. The police, uh, this whole business with the, the biker gangs in Rhode Island. Have hit a fever pitch. Now, I have a photo of the vehicle that I'm told that they're looking for. 
This is the Channel 12 piece, I believe, about the uh, biker gangs. Motorcycle clubs have authorities on high alert tonight. We continue tracking Saturday night shooting out of Pawtucket. Police say one victim was shot in what appears to be a drive-by shooting. That victim transported to an area hospital where at last check they were still in critical condition. 12 News, the first to confirm that police are investigating this as warring factions between outlaw motorcycle groups. 12 News reporter Matt Paddock joins us now live with those details. Yes, Sheena, I sat down with an expert, the former head of Rhode Island State Police, on why police are on high alert. Concerned warring motorcycle gangs could put innocent bystanders in danger. Flashing police lights drowning the night sky on Lafayette Street in Pawtucket on Saturday. As more than a dozen police cruisers from multiple agencies rushing to the of what police are calling a drive-by shooting, which left one 49-year-old victim in critical condition. 12 News has since learned that the shooting is being looked at as part of an outlaw motorcycle incident. According to Pawtucket Police, that victim shot a pagan motorcycle club member. Before, it was the territory dispute between the Hells Angels and the outlaws. The pagans are raising money in Pawtucket, but having three groups, all rival groups, pushing into the same area. There's a message in there. According to an internal intelligence document by the Mass State Police obtained by Target 12, a gathering of the Pagan Motorcycle Club was anticipated this weekend to raise money following an ambush in Fall River back in May. Something that 12 News law enforcement analyst Stephen O'Donnell calls a recipe for disaster. Having the Pagans in a um, bigger presence in the state of Rhode Island, having three outlaw motorcycle groups in Rhode Island is a recipe for, for violence. According to a release from Pawtucket Police, two motorcycle club members were brought to police headquarters last night, one being charged with a weapons violation, the other released without charges. Police say none of the motorcycle members cooperated with investigators. Something O'Donnell says is expected. In organized crime, you're sworn oath, Omerta. They do the same thing. You cannot cooperate with law enforcement. Nope. If you do, you're at least patched out. While on scene, our cameras capturing the moment, police towed this motorcycle. Police even pulling what appears to be a blade from the bike. And O'Donnell reminding us, these groups are dangerous. A criminal organization, that's how they operate. They're involved in sex trafficking, extortion, uh, methamphetamine deliveries, gun trafficking, you name it. Now, this isn't the first time an organized bike group has made headlines. In 2019, 12 News was there as police raided the Hells Angels headquarters. Oh. Live in the tech center, Matt Paddock, 12 News. That's a good report. Steve O.D. O.D. does a good job. Steve O'Donnell, former head of the Rhode Island State Police. Folks, good afternoon at 156. Now, again, I'm told that the shooters were Latino and there's a picture of a white car that they were driving with mass plates. I have that on the website, dipetro.com, in our story. Uh, I'm told, now this, so it's my, the information I got was that this is not, the Hells Angels were not involved with the shooting. I don't know if that was the outlaws. Um, It's not your your imagination, by the way. There's, there are, there's a number, there's definitely gang activity. There's definitely gang activity in Boston. Now, big story today at 157, and again, folks, this is all on the website, topetro.com, is the arrest of a Governor McKee senior advisor and a felony arrest at that. So, um, 
I don't, I don't think there's going to be a big pile on here. But Christopher Farrell, 38 years old. But whenever you have a senior advisor to a governor arrested on a felony charge, um, you know, nothing positive about that. The governor seemed rather subdued. I don't think the media is going to really pursue it that much. Um, They'll follow the case, obviously. I think he's on administrative leave. This was Governor McKee's reaction, speaking to um, Channel 12 at an, at an event. Uh, Mr. Farrell is on administrative leave uh, to deal with some of the health issues that he's dealing with. And um, other than that, I'll kind of let the process roll out. And um, we uh, you know, certainly wish the best for Chris. And that's about it. Now, people are asking, when's the first debate? Haven't heard of anything. Haven't heard. When is the first debate? We don't know. One thing, though, I'll tell you, I, Joe Manchin, it, Bernie Sanders can go up and down on him, but Bernie Sand, um, Manchin has, I don't think he has anything to worry about. I mean, I don't think so. I think when Bernie Sanders is going after you, if you're a supporter, the fact that Joe Manchin remains um, a force, a Democrat, in West Virginia, which is obviously Trump country, he is just a different, he's just a different type of uh, individual. But that fist bump by Biden, nothing good about that. And he's going to uh, face the consequences. Folks, it's one fifty you You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, coming up you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news, and then it'll be the John Dion program. Uh, you can visit the website, depetro.com. I will be doing Facebook Live later at some point. It might be a little delayed, but you can go and see the latest on the website of depetro.com between Senator Mack and also the biker gangs. Uh, I have posted the vehicle that they're looking for. Listen, enjoy this Monday, July 18th, and stay tuned. The next thing you will hear will be... The 2 o'clock news.